Well, hello, and welcome back to the Life Church Canton podcast. My name is Jared Van Voorst, and I'm your host for the show and one of the pastors at Life Church. And if you're joining for the very first time, welcome. We're glad to have you with us. Uh, would love to get you connected. Would love to have you subscribe to the show so that you can have regular updates about what's going on, hear some of the sermons and some other content that we do. Um, also, if you would like to invest in what God is doing in and through Life Church, you want to be a part of it, you want to participate, uh, I want to invite you to give by going to lifechurchcanton.org slash give, and you can find out more information on how your giving makes an impact. You can also find out ways to give uh, if you would like to do so. Um, and then lastly, I want to let you know that uh, you can connect with our church in a variety of different ways um, by checking out the most up-to-date things that are coming up uh, by going to our Now page. That is lifechurchcanton.org slash now. Uh, we're part of a series, we're in part of a series called Parables, and uh, there's this interesting thing, a couple verses actually in Matthew and in Mark, where it says that Jesus really only taught his, his disciples in parables. Uh, he's always telling stories, always telling illustrations, which that's important to pay attention to. Uh, and so we are in Matthew chapter 13, and this is going to be a message from me on uh, the parable of the mustard seed. So I hope you enjoy. Hello, and thanks for watching this message. We hope that as you do, you have an encounter with Jesus and that you come away changed and want to become more like him. Also, as you finish watching this message, we'd love for you to consider doing three different things. One of those is to share this link with somebody else who might also need to hear this message. Secondly, we'd love for you to fill out the Connect card. There's a link below this video that you can click on to fill out some information about yourself and then take your next steps to engage with us and our community. Lastly, we'd love for you to give and to invest in the work that we get to be a part of here at Life Church Canton. Now, enjoy the message. God, we experience hope. We experience our homecoming with you. I just have the sense that some of us may have come into this place, some of us are watching online, and we feel homeless. There's no place to rest our head. There's no place emotionally or mentally or spiritually to find refuge. If that's you, God is saying to us today, come home. Find home with me. God, thank you for who you are. Thank you for providing shelter and rest and safety and healing and hope. Everybody said, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may have a seat. Thank you for joining us. Welcome to Life Church. My name is Jared, and I'm one of the pastors. And if you are in the room, we're glad you're here. We want to uh, have you fill out a Connect card and turn it in, in the Welcome Center so that we can help you take next steps. If you are watching online, there's a whole comment section there. You can uh, write anything in that comment section, obviously with reason. Um, and uh, if you want to get connected and you want to take a next step, let us know. We'd love to help you out in any way that we can. 
We are in a series called Parables, and we've been going through specifically the parables that we see in Matthew chapter 13. Just in that chapter alone, he gives other parables throughout the Gospels, if you're not familiar with the Bible, but we're just honing in on some specific ones. I want to read uh, just one of the verses that kind of shows up in the middle of Matthew chapter 13, because I think it's important. Uh, if you're any, Just raise your hand. Are you in a married relationship, or you have a relationship of significant others? Just raise your hand, uh, and if you're at home, you can raise your hand. Um, but you have heard this rule before, I think, when you're in conversation, specifically when you're in arguments, is to never use the words always and never. Have you heard this before? You always, I never. Well, Matthew uses those words in this passage because he doesn't mince words. I want you to hear this. It says this, Jesus always used stories and illustrations like these when speaking to the crowds. In fact, he never spoke to them without using such parables. What's the point here? Jesus told stories. Stories are incredibly important. We have to pay attention to these stories. That's why we're doing this series called Parables. But I also had this thought that you and I, those of us who consider ourselves followers of Jesus, guess what? We're storytellers. We just have a really, really good story to tell. And we get to be invited into telling our story. Here's the thing. Uh, Jesus, we have to sort of enter into his context and his culture. A lot of his stories and illustrations and parables, they use agricultural terms. Uh, so for you and I, if, especially if we grew up in maybe more urban or suburban context, it's a little hard for us to relate. So uh, it would almost be like if Jesus were to show up on the scene here today in Canton or in the surrounding area, he'd be talking about things like potholes and cars. Uh, to get our attention, probably more potholes than the latter. But uh, in this case, he uses agricultural terms. Now, last week, if you were here, you heard a message from Nathan, a great message. If you didn't get to hear it, go back and listen to it. But it's the parable of the wheat and weeds, wheat and weeds. Now, this week, we're going to turn a corner, talk about another agricultural thing, a mustard seed. If you have a Bible, I want to invite you to follow along with me. If you don't have a Bible, we always have the words on the screens, and you can follow along in that way. I'm going to be in Matthew chapter 13 verses 31 to 32. Just real short, uh, but there's a whole lot packed into it that we're going to unpack. Verse 31. Here is another illustration Jesus used. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed planted in a field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest of garden plants. It grows into a tree, and then birds come and make nests in its branches. I want to talk about three things today. I want to talk about seeds, I want to talk about trees, and I want to talk about birds, all right? Let's talk about the seeds, first of all. What kind of seed are we dealing with? We've got a mustard seed, all right? Now, if you don't know this story, you're not familiar with the Bible, that's entirely okay. Oftentimes, when you hear that word mustard seed, we might immediately think food, right? He's talking about a seed that grows that eventually is used for uh, mustard that we would put on a brat or a hot dog or something like that. They didn't have brats and hot dogs back then, that's just for clarity. Uh, is that the kind of mustard seed that we're talking about? Well, we have to do a little bit of digging. There's actually two different kinds of mustard seed. One is used for culinary purposes, for food. Another one is not so much, and it is actually more of a wild-grown plant. So how do we know which one he's talking about? Well, specifically, he says the smallest of all of the seeds. So we've got to look at the different kinds of mustard seeds to see which one is the smallest so that we can understand what he's talking about. I want to show you a picture 
of the two different kinds of seeds here in just a second. Uh, that giant one in the middle of the hand, that's what's called as, not to nerd out completely, but brassica nigra. That's black mustard. That's the kind that we would use for food. The one that the arrow is pointing to, that's the smallest of all of the seeds, the mustard seed. That's the one that Jesus is talking about. That's brassica elongata. So if that's the one that we're talking about, if that's the smallest of all of the seeds, and that one gets planted in a field, guess what? If it gets planted, it grows, uh, and it's sort of a wild plant. It actually grows to be sort of an invasive weed. It's kind of uh, sort of an annoying thing, actually, for farmers. So for the audience to hear this, uh, a mustard seed is planted in a field, they'd be like, whoa, 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 nobody would do that. No farmer or no gardener in their right mind would go and plant a mustard seed into the ground, the ground in their crop and have it grow because what it's going to do is it's going to choke out the crop. You're going to be basically throwing your crop away. That would be a complete waste of time. Why are you talking about a mustard seed being planted in a field, Jesus? This is really confusing. Let me pause. Let me pause, because if you were here last week or you heard the message last week, we heard about the wheat and the weeds. The weeds in that parable is a bad thing. Now we turn a corner, and Jesus is talking about a mustard seed that grows into a plant and eventually a tree, but it looks more like an invasive weed that's annoying, that is unwanted, than anything that is positive. But he uses that to compare it to the kingdom of God, a good thing. So weed in the first story is bad, but the weed here is a good thing. This is why it's important that what Jesus says and what Vincent talked about a couple weeks ago, that we pay attention, that we listen, that we look closely. Those who have ears to hear, let them hear those who have eyes to see, let them see. You need to change the eyes and the ears to be able to hear and to see what Jesus is doing. And then be careful and watch because the moment you think you've got it figured out, the moment you think you've got your mind wrapped around the kingdom of God and what the kingdom of God is all about, guess what? Jesus is going to throw another wrench in the system. He wants you to pay attention, to listen closely, to watch closely to see what he's doing. And then I, I should just prepare you ahead of time. Next week, we're going to turn yet another corner and go down another path as we talk about the kingdom of God. The question we need to ask ourselves today, though, is what does this kind of seed have to do with us? Here's the thing. We're talking about a tiny, tiny little mustard seed that is insignificant, but yet it grows. It grows and it grows and it grows and expands and then it just keeps on going, and it invades the field. It just takes over. What God is saying is that the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, takes over. It starts out seemingly small and insignificant, but it grows, and it expands, and it spreads, and you cannot stop it. It just keeps on going. I was just thinking as we were singing the song Waymaker, even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. I don't know about you, and maybe it was just uh, I was so close to the subwoofer that's sitting right below me, but my heart was pumping out of my chest just feeling that, thinking about this idea that the kingdom of God just moves. God is working whether we want him to or not, and he will keep on working, and he will not stop. Now, here's the thing. It goes, and it moves, and it spreads 
One of the things that you need to know about the mustard seed, and I want to show you this next picture too, because I actually got to go to Israel several years ago, and the tour guide that we were with, he just like rubbed his hand against the, the mustard plant, and, uh, and then all of a sudden he had seeds in his hand that I want you to be able to see. They just, that easily just come off, and then he's got those little seeds in his hand. They're just, they're just kind of loosely there. Now here's the thing. If it's just a slightly uh, windy day, the wind blows through that field or that area or that valley, whatever it is, uh, those seeds are going to get blown everywhere. And then they're going to get planted, and then they're going to grow. And you're going to have more mustard plants or weeds that grow everywhere in the area. You cannot stop it. Even the wind comes and just blows it along. Here's what's fascinating to me and what God is doing in the scriptures. All throughout the Bible, guess what? The Holy Spirit is referred to as wind, breath. Here's the thing, God is working. You cannot stop the movement of God, the kingdom of God. The Holy Spirit wants to rush through and blow seeds everywhere and have the kingdom of God continue to spring up and to grow up and to expand and to grow, regardless of you and me. Now, I ask the question, what does this have to do with you and me? Well, we can only answer that question by first answering the question, who is God and what is God up to? What is God up to? What is his Holy Spirit doing? He's moving. He's working. Even when I don't see it. Even when I don't feel it. Which we love feelings in our culture. We base so much of our decisions based on feelings. Holy Spirit is moving. The question we have to ask ourselves is will we submit to the wind of the Holy Spirit? Will we submit? Have you submitted to the work of the Holy Spirit, to the wind of the Holy Spirit? Because here's the thing, if we don't, if I don't submit to the work of the Holy Spirit, the movement of the Holy Spirit, then the work of God will seem invasive. It'll seem like something that is counter to what I want. God, I don't want you to move in that way. That doesn't fit with my schedule. That doesn't seem comfortable for me. But that's, that's going in my own power. That's not submitting to the wind and the movement of the Holy Spirit. And if we don't submit to the Holy Spirit, we will resist any kind of change that comes our way. Individually, corporately, as a church, as a community, we will resist change. And we'll actually think of change as a threat. And so we'll, we'll push back against it. We'll get angry about change. And we'll start to think that hardship and suffering is a punishment from God as opposed to refinement. Have you submitted to the work of the Holy Spirit, to that wind that is constantly moving, constantly changing, constantly dynamic? Submit ourselves, we need to submit ourselves to the Holy Spirit. And when we do that, we begin to see the kingdom of God differently. Which takes me into the next point about trees. I want to talk about trees. So uh, when you and I think about trees, you know, we, we read here that Jesus says it becomes a lar the largest of garden plants and then it grows into a tree. Now the image that you and I might get immediately is, well, we've got all different kinds of trees in Michigan, right? Like a strong, sturdy trunk with long branches and leaves, right? Something that the birds can go into, something that a kid could go and climb. 
That's what we think of when we think of trees. And for the people in this audience, uh, they might be getting excited about the fact that Jesus is talking about trees as well. Because in the Old Testament, that they would have been very familiar with, they were constantly uh, barraged with images of trees as a metaphor for kingdoms. Specifically in the book of Ezekiel, they hear about the Assyrian Empire, which was Israelites' enemy at the time. They're a big, massive, powerful, military, violent kingdom, empire that were the enemies of the people of God, but they were compared to a tree. Similarly, Egypt is compared to the cedars of Lebanon. Also in the book of Daniel, the Babylonian Empire, also enemies of the Israelites, is compared to a tree. Big, strong, powerful, violent, military trees. Those are the kinds of kingdoms that they have in mind. Now Jesus shows up on the scene. He's talking about a tree, and they're like, okay, here we go, here we go. What kind of tree are we going to be, Jesus? What kind of tree are you going to compare us to? What kind of tree is our kingdom representing? A mustard tree, which is more like an invasive plant, weed, bush-like thing. Let me show you a picture of what a mustard tree is. It's that Not giving me a whole lot of hope there, Jesus. I, I don't know if you grew up watching or still watch The, the Price is Right, but what happens whenever they lose a game? That's the feeling that I get when I look at this kind of tree. Like, you got to be kidding me, Jesus. This is not strong. This is not big. This is not powerful. This is not how we're going to overcome, Jesus, if that's the kind of tree that your kingdom represents. This is a big letdown. These people would have been extremely confused because Jesus is comparing the kingdom of God to more of an ugly, invasive weed that is unattractive that nobody wants. The question is, how do we see the kingdom of God? Because why on earth would Jesus use something so unattractive, so unwanted, so invasive to talk about the hope of the kingdom of God. This seems like moving in the opposite direction. This doesn't seem big and strong and powerful in any way, shape, or form. But see, the people of God, they, they quickly forget. Even though they, they, they grew up and they understand their Old Testament, sometimes they don't always get their interpretation correct. How did they miss this? Because it's pretty clear in Isaiah, one of their heroes, their hero of a prophet, writes in Isaiah chapter 53, he says this, speaking hundreds of years before Jesus even shows up on the scene. He's got this prophetic image of like this messianic figure who's going to come and rescue them and save them. How's he going to do it? What's that going to look like? What does this Messiah look like? Well, this is what Isaiah says. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract us to him. He was despised and rejected a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our back on him and looked the other way. He was despised, and we did not care. This is the image of this messianic figure who is going to come and establish a kingdom, yes, but not the kind of kingdom that we're necessarily looking for. The, the people that Jesus is speaking to when he shares this parable, the image that they might have had in their minds 
about what kind of kingdom and what kind of king would take place as somebody who would arrive in a chariot with big shiny white horses and in a palace, born in a palace, and be able to rule from a throne that is covered in gold and silver and jewels. That's the kind of king that they're looking for. Again, if I were to use a more modern context, if you're not familiar with the Bible, we might have this anticipation that Jesus is going to go come in, into Michigan. He's going to show up, and he's going to be driving down uh, Ford Road in a decked-out Bronco with all of the bells and whistles. But the reality is, is he's actually probably going to show up in a 1983 Chevette that has three working tires and no working radio and uh, a hole in the muffler. That seems eerily specific, doesn't it? That's the car I had in high school. (laughs) Jesus doesn't show up how we think he's going to. He doesn't represent a kingdom that we think he should represent. This isn't a kingdom of worldly power, big and strong with military might. This is a kingdom that is established from the weak for the weak. The downtrodden, the broken, the unattractive, the ones we're searching for a home. This is why we need to submit to the wind of the Holy Spirit, because if we don't, we will not see the kingdom of God that is actually laid out for us. We will instead look in all of the wrong places, at all of the different trees, hoping for something different. We want a tree that looks like strength, that is sturdy, that is powerful, that puts us in a position of power and influence. If that's what we're looking for, we're not going to see it. We're certainly going to miss this weed bush-like structure. That's the kingdom of God. From the weak, for the weak. I don't know what your story is or what you're coming in with, but I just need to share some, you know, there's a lot of you that probably don't know me personally, but this last week was probably one of the hardest weeks I've had in a long time. Felt like the epitome of weakness for a whole slew of reasons, a whole variety of reasons. And it's not important to get into all of the details because the details aren't necessarily the point. But what the point is, is I came into Wednesday, which is when we go through the service. We sort of practice. We do a rehearsal. And I run through the message, my first draft of what I've got. And I've got the team to give feedback. And I've tried to sort of give the best that I could to give a polished, powerful message. But the team knew all of the things that I was going through. And they said, you know what, Jared? I feel like you just need to give this message from your place of weakness. Stop trying to put it all together and to make it all polished and put together. That's not the point. You need to preach from weakness. And then Bridget said, I just, she's like, I just kept hearing this verse over and over, even though you didn't say it in your message, but I just kept hearing the verse from Corinthians that God's power is made perfect in our weakness. been a crappy week. 
and there are a lot of different stories represented in this room and represented online. What are you coming in with? Did you try to get it all cleaned up before you entered in those doors? Did you try to feel like you were supposed to have it all together so that you could enter into fellowship and into worship? Stop. Save your energy. Did you see that ugly, brown, invasive weed? That's the, that's the thing that God is providing for you to come and stay. There is a home for you to come to that has nothing to do with you getting all cleaned up, with you getting all your ish together, with me as one of your pastors having it all figured out and having a, just a wonderful week every single week. No, no, no. We're a mess. And God says, I, I can work with that. that. That's actually where I need you to be. And I can work with that. When we submit to the Holy Spirit, we begin to see that God's kingdom is not for the powerful, it's for the weak. And then what happens? Well, it creates a home for birds. It says, birds come and make nests in its branches. Well, okay, so what kind of birds? We need to maybe zero in on, like, is there a certain kind? Is there a, a sign on the outside of this tree that says only canaries are allowed in this tree or only parakeets are allowed in this tree or this tree is going to be best if only uh, vultures come into this one? Like, what, what kind of birds? Well, he doesn't say. It just says birds come and make their home here. Other places in the New Testament, throughout the Gospels, Jesus does get specific about sparrows, about uh, eagles from time to time, about doves, all those different kinds of birds. But here he doesn't say that. He just says birds, plural, any kind of bird. Here's the thing. There are 585 different species of birds just in Israel alone. You know what this tells me? That God has created a compassionate kingdom that includes diversity. Yes, we're going to keep talking about this until we get it. God's kingdom is about diversity. How does that sit with you? How does that sit with me? There are birds of all different kinds, birds with different lifestyles than me, who eat different food than me, who fly different flying patterns than me, who have different colored feathers than me. There are those now I'm going to get specific, those that experience the justice system differently than I do. And what is my response going to be to that? Well, it's not my fault. I don't have a part in that. Or will I respond with empathy and understanding? Our job is not to decide which birds get to come and live in the tree. question we have to ask ourselves is what is God like because of this parable? God is God of hospitality. This is the ultimate you belong kind of parable. God is a God of hospitality and he is constantly making room 
for the outsider. So the question that we have to ask ourselves is, how are we situating ourselves on our branch so that we can make room for more birds to come in and to make their homes right next to us? How are we situating ourselves to reflect the hospitality of God? This is hard work. It's emotional work. But again, if, if we have submitted ourselves to the wind of the Holy Spirit, where God's wind blows through and the kingdom of God just grows and expands and we can't stop it, even if we tried, if we submit to that wind and we begin to see that the kingdom of God operates differently than what we innately desire, that is a kingdom for the weak, the unattractive, for the broken, for the tired, for the homeless. Then we together can situate ourselves in such a way that makes room for all kinds of diverse birds. This is what God is calling us to. I want to give you some specific action steps as we go into this week, starting today. A lot of it's going to be a review of what I just said. The three S's, so they're easy to remember, okay? First of all, we need to submit, we need to see, and we need to situate. First of all, submit ourselves to the wind of the Holy Spirit. Have you submitted to the Holy Spirit? Have you agreed with the movements of God and his kingdom? Or is it this resistant activity? I, no, no, God, that doesn't feel right. That doesn't feel comfortable to me. I don't want to do that. Or maybe you have submitted to the Holy Spirit. You have invited the Holy Spirit and he's begun to transform you from the inside out. But somewhere along the way, you forgot that the work of the Holy Spirit was this daily submission. That you wake up and say, today, God, is another day. And I want to reflect who you are to the world, to my community, to my family, to other students in my school. It's a daily activity. Maybe you need that reminder. Wherever you are, if you need to say yes to the Holy Spirit for the first time and invite the Holy Spirit in to submit to his wind and his movement, or if you just need that reminder, I want to invite you to come forward today for prayer. Or if you're watching online, ask for prayer in the comments section. If you're on the prayer team, here today, I want to invite you to come stand right below on this stage or near the stage and just make yourself available. And then for any of you who want prayer, come forward. This work of submitting to the Holy Spirit is not something you just simply do on your own. We need others to come alongside us, to pray with us, to pray for us. We need to submit to the Holy Spirit. Number two, we need to see the kingdom of God differently. See the kingdom is not a kingdom of worldly power, but instead of spiritual weakness. Are you a mess today? Are you weak today? You're in the perfect spot for God to move. But sometimes we need help to see it differently, to see it with new lenses. One of the things I want to invite you to do throughout the rest of this week is just read and reread Matthew 13. Look at all of the different ways that Jesus talks about the kingdom of God. 
begin to see it differently than the kingdoms of this world. And then lastly, situate. Situate yourself on the tree to make room. Make room for more birds. On one hand, we can talk about in this church specifically, look around, who's not here that needs to be here? I'm not necessarily talking about who has left, who used to be here. That's not important right now. Who's not here that needs to be here? Or more broadly, who needs to be in your life? Who do you need to invite into your life to care for, to show compassion to, to empathize with? Situate yourself. Perch yourself on your branch, but then leave room next to you for more. For more birds. Some of you, as I prayed at the beginning, you've been reflecting on that prayer of coming home. And maybe you feel spiritually homeless. The kingdom of God, in and through Jesus, has a home for you. You belong. Come home to Jesus today right now. You can come forward for prayer, but right now you can pray with me too in your own words. If you want to say yes to Jesus, if you want to say yes to having a home, not just some place you go when you die. No, that's, that's different. The kingdom of God starts with Jesus 2,000 years ago. It is here, but it is still yet to come, to be revealed, to be fully experienced. Come home today. Pray with me in your own words, in your own heart. Or you could just listen. If it helps to just kind of put your hands out in front of you to say, okay, okay, God, I'm going to take a step of faith. You could do that now. Would you pray with me? Holy Spirit, come. You're here, you're already here. We just need to tell our hearts and minds to remind ourselves that you're here. And even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. Some of you came in with incredible weakness today. I want to invite you right now in this moment just to pray your own prayer to God. You can be mad. You could say whatever words you need to say. You don't have to filter it. God can handle it. Cry out to him. Jesus, we say yes to the move of your Holy Spirit, to your wind. We ask you to breathe new breath within us. God, we want to be a part of a kingdom that is everlasting, where I don't have to get all cleaned up. I don't have to have it all figured out. I don't have to have all my issues fixed. I can simply come and make my home with you.
God, thank you that today we get to come home. Thanks again for joining us in this message. And um, we pray that you are being led by the Holy Spirit to the point where um, you have the trust and the faith to step out and to submit to the Holy Spirit. Submit sounds like a hard sort of negative word in our culture, uh, but this is actually a positive thing. When we submit to the, the movement of the Holy Spirit in our lives, not just individually, but corporately as a community, we begin to behave and reflect um, the, the kingdom of God, the, the way of God, the way of Jesus in a way that is honoring to him, but also um, helpful to the world. And so uh, I would love for you to, to do that. And if you decide to do that, let us know um, by filling out a connect card. You can find that on the now page. That's lifechurchcanton.org slash now. Let us know that you've made a commitment to Jesus by submitting to the Holy Spirit and the work of God in your life. Love to hear from you. Uh, we'll see you back here real soon.